0: To episode ninety of the ten ninety nine for the week of May first, twenty seventeen. I am your host Josiah Renauden, and with me today, this one is a long time coming, is the former co host of G Force X Play and the current
1: president of Theory Head, Adam Sessler. Adam, thank you so much for doing this. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, and it's 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 my pleasure to be on. I've, I've I've been waiting to do this as well. I had circumstances that prevented me from doing so. Those circumstances are done. So yay! <laughs> the podcasts are just so hard to coordinate in
0: general. Yes. If it's just like yes, a side gig and a full time job, and time zones because I'm in Jacksonville and you're not
1: in Jacksonville. Oh, I had no idea.
0: Yeah, it's I was like a an originally Pennsylvania guy, I moved to Jacksonville, and yeah, we're in different time zones. But I'm fine. Happy we're finally able to do this. Uh, yeah, maybe yes. because. I was so used to seeing you daily on TV and all over the internet for so damn long. And it's been weird not hearing your thoughts on new games and all the crazy, <laughs> batshit stuff that might be happening in the industry. And before we dig into that, just so I can get it kind of in your own words for what you're doing right now, what is Theory Head? I mean, what are your, your, what are your goals been with the company? What have you been doing that you can actually talk about? and kind of Goals. how do you see, That's your, so current... Lofty. <laughs> do you
1: see your current <laughs> role in the industry? Goals are pretty much keeping my head above water. Um, <laughs> no, it's it, it's 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 consultancy. It's, it's a very common thing that a lot of uh, foreign people in the press do. I mean, because the thing is, it's not so much that you age out of the press. It's that the press ages you out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and that you know, that you, you you hit a certain point, and that you know how much money you can actually make covering games has become harder and harder and harder. And that's why it tends to appeal a lot more to to younger people who you know don't don't have a family yet, can get in and kind of put up with the you know difficult hours, difficult um, you know sort of pay scale as as, as I believe it is out there. Uh, that you know you, you tend to have to go find some some other pastures and take those talents that you've honed. Um, playing all the games, and it is valuable because when you're in the press, especially if you're you know, a, a primary reviewer, you are playing more games in the course of one year than any developer or publisher has the time to do, yeah. and so you're able to bring a lot more insight and sort of breadth of where other games that are in development might be falling in terms of what has worked what hasn't worked what has become passe what has become a little bit too saturated in the industry um there 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 really is a lot of value because most people do not play games at the level that you know probably even you 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 probably play way more games than just about anyone you know that is not working in some facet of the gaming press
0: absolutely it's you definitely like the the younger and not a family thing is so huge in games press because yeah. there are those people yeah. who get the jobs and hold on to them for dear life and suddenly it's a you know 20 30 year career but more often than not
1: you see the game spots in the I IGN mean the the you know thing is up. back back when i started that's what it could be and yeah. like editors in chief they made decent salaries, especially for what the late 90s and early 2000s were. And unfortunately, you know, once you saw the shift to a more Internet-based economy and all the challenges that came with advertising, because there still isn't a very good, clear advertising model when it comes to that, uh, you started to see margins coming down. You then, you know, dump the, the the Great Recession on top of that. And suddenly, you know, they're, they're they're trying to bring in a lot of young staff. And I don't resent any of this, mm. Uh You know, the the young people that are getting jobs in the industry, but it obviously helps their bottom line a lot more to bring in people that, you know, may not have a ton of experience, but are willing to work for very little because it's something they want to do. And that does tend to push people out at the top. Unfortunately, I I do think what is a a sad bit is I don't think there's enough people like what I got to what what I got to have when I first started, which were a lot of good seasoned people that I looked up to that were able to give a lot of guidance. And that you kind of found your footing by seeing what they were doing and you carved out your own voice, whereas now everyone kind of gets in. And I I think when you're very young, you tend to want to show your merits by being very, very, very critical, you know, Mm -hmm. disliking something. I think it's just in our minds. I think our mindset has it that that's a way to kind of burnish your reputation a little more than being effusive with your praise and as you get older, and I know this happened to me through the course of reviewing games, it was, I, I really preferred to like things in my <laughs> later years. You know, life just becomes so miserable all around you that, you know, for that one thing that you're really supposed to love about your job, that you're, you know, I'm just, you know, that that's why a game like Uncharted 2, I'm like, oh, I love this! And it becomes very, very satisfying to kind of just express that level of enthusiasm.
0: People don't seem to enjoy to like things as much these days if you ever spend yeah. any extended time on the internet, and I I fully agree with that That structure of uh, if you would jump into GameSpot or IGN like five, ten years ago, there's people who have been doing this for a long time where you can kind of maybe if not look up to, you can model some of your work after. And now I mean, when, I, when I was doing freelance for GameSpot, it was Kevin Van Ord. It was like Tom McShane. Oh, yeah. And Kevin's like that, great. Where I'm like, man, yeah. like I want to be able to write like you and express my feelings on games in that way. And I'm not, of course, you know poo-pooing Gamespot anymore, but if yep. I were to go there now, there's a lot of people who maybe the longest tenured's like five years because there is that yeah. structure of, you know, young blood getting them in there, getting them in there, and it's it's an entirely different industry. If you did have, if the option was there for you to like be editor in chief or something of a site, and you could hold on to that job and the income was good, would you want to stay in Games Media or after being in it for so long? I think you originally hired by ZDTV in 1998. Were you just kind of tired of it?
1: I was tired of it. Um, <laughs> you know, there, 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 there are moments where I'm like, God, I, I, I do miss kind of that excitement of like, I'm going to review this game. I'm going to get it early. And the, the part which I really loved about it, which was I get to shut down all the other aspects of my life and devote myself to playing a game. Yeah. Uh, which really means, Hun... <laughs> I won't be able to do things for the next four days. I'm going to go play the video game. It's for work, and <laughs> which I now know is I can't play that card as effectively anymore. So, <laughs> it yeah, but, but there was just, I mean, all, all, all jokes aside, there was an innate satisfaction with just kind of knowing, like, I really, really love the creativity in video games. And I just get to give myself over to one for the next three, four days and just really kind of absorb myself in it. Um, I, I, I definitely miss that aspect. But, you know, all of the growing pains of both the industry and the changes in the press, the move to video and how that affected deadlines. I mean, there's so many heartaches that just, you know, on a day-to-day basis, it really was really, really tough, especially towards the end. And I just have to remind myself of that, that there's no way I miss that in the least.
0: Did you ever consider going into games development? Because that seems like the logical conclusion for so many people. And I'll put myself in that camp because I now work for Tangentleman and Sony Santa Monica. So, like, I'm out of the press for right now where I want to explore this other avenue. But for you, was that ever – some people come into this just saying, like, I'm going to write for GameSpot IGN for a bit and that will be my avenue to Ubisoft or
1: some other company. Was that you at all? Yeah. I mean, no, I I toyed with the idea, and to some extent, I get to do a little of that through the consulting, especially, you know, the fun I've gotten to have with the Friday the 13th guys, Mm. but I, you know, it's interesting. A, I think I worried that I was probably too hubristic to think that by being in the press for that long, that I was that knowledgeable that I could, you know, suddenly like really contribute to a, a, a studio in a. In addition to that, I think I was probably around for too long that I would be a distraction. And I don't mean this in an arrogant way that, you know, look, I I hosted a television show down in Los Angeles for NBC in the later years for quite a few years. And you get accustomed to a certain type of your place in the corporate existence. Let's put it that way. And I think I knew in the back of my head that I would have a very hard time going all the way back down the ladder in another potentially very corporate environment and trying to work my way back up again, I think that sounded kind of exhausting. Whereas had I probably, you know, jumped ship from media back when I was still in my 20s, I think it would be a whole different story and that I would probably have been very comfortable and excited to work in game development. Having said that, you know, I, I, I do still... There are things I still do that might affect the marketing, the messaging, and the way in which we talk about games and try to get people to engage with games, Um, because I think there's still more than enough good games that are out there that aren't being understood as such and aren't reaching the audience they could reach, because I think we're still... Just because of the nature of the medium, we're still struggling how to articulate something to kind of get people excited, get people enthusiastic and not, you know, sort of make people think that they're expecting, you know, just the same thing that they played last year or the year before
0: yeah and and that idea of kind of starting back at the bottom of the totem pole i fully understand because even in you know i was in games media whatever you want to call it for like seven years before i switched over to trying to do some community and development work and it's just an entirely different world and you assume because of the same industry maybe some of those skills transfer over and some of them do but you are starting kind of all over again in this entirely different world and It's been hard to focus on entertainment in the last few months with it seemingly feeling like America is on fire and could, you know, anything could happen at any moment. But aside from that, the quality of games has been pretty incredible in 2017. Like it seems like hit after hit after I never expected this to be good, but holy shit, it's good hit like Neo and different things like that. It's just, it's been really amazing. So what have you actually been playing? Like what stood out for you? This is stuff I've wanted to ask you for a long time and now's the perfect time with all this stuff coming out.
1: I mean that I think this little rush of quality happens last year. Um, Doom, which was way more fun than I was oh, yeah. expecting it to be, um, and there was just a really nice run of stuff like that. Um, the single player in Titanfall Two, which oh, it's amazing. For the life of me, I know. And you know, I went back and played some of it again because I, I, I like games like this. And I'm about to mention another one that I'm playing right now that's exactly this, where it's just. Making me feel good, but <laughs> in, in such a way that I'm not breaking it down into its parts to better understand, like why. I, I, I can't put. Like, there's something very solid, very satisfying, and wonderful pacing in the single player of Titanfall Two, and I, you know, it, it, it just clicked really well with me. And then the the, the one that I'm playing right now, Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh yeah. Like I know how it's borrowing from other things that have been done in other games, but the way it's all integrated into this one, it doesn't feel like something that's being rehashed. It's just something that, like, once again, I'm just kind of latently just, just enjoying every sort of moment of it. it, it it's it, it, it's really quite fascinating. Yeah,
0: that's one of the easier games recently just to get engrossed with, and I I, yeah. I don't avoid open-world games, but I tend to get overwhelmed with too many side quests, too many activities, and suddenly I kind of turtle
1: up instead of really delving and diving you know, into the game. Yeah. And to, to be fair, I've, I've, I've even had that happen a couple of times with Horizon Zero Dawn. I think yeah. it's something that all, granted, I think there's a larger discussion that needs to be had about open world games, uh, not just for that reason, but for, for, for many, where, yeah, you suddenly see all the options and the opportunities, and I, I, I know you have to be like this, too. When you know games that well, you're like, okay, what kind of open world game is this? Is this one where I can do all the side quests and then move on to the story mission? Is it balanced in such a way that I'm only supposed to do 30% of the side quests? Because you don't want to be that OP come the game's end. And I don't really like playing on hard settings unless they're really well made because that just means that same battle takes longer. And that's never struck me as a... Probably, once again, working on a deadline, I don't see that as a benefit because I need to get the game finished so I can move on to the next game. But but, but even with those two issues in, in... in Horizon, it's just, you know, once you get back over that hump, it tends to happen pretty quickly. It's like, oh yeah, it's just this thing where I just, I like hanging out and I like the combat and I like just seeing what's new and different inside this world.
0: Yeah, just exploring, and I'm not one of those people. I think The Witcher 3 was the last game where I just enjoyed walking around and just like yeah. experiencing different things. And Horizon scratches that itch in a really unique way where like you mentioned like I'm doing these side quests cuz I'm worried like is this going to disappear should I do this now and maybe you get a little lost in the main story because you're on so many different story side story beats but just a single yeah. side quest could be like three individual parts that are all interesting and by the end I'm like okay that was a a 40 minute play session I'm now happy I don't need to do the main story right now so even if I Yeah I'm and it
1: accurate... it doesn't have such an abundance of side quests and I yes. do see side quests as distinct from say like like hunting grounds and challenge and trials and stuff like that. I never bother with stuff like that because I have nothing to prove. I'm, I'm getting older. My <laughs> reflexes aren't what they used to be, so I hide my trophies. Um, <laughs> but, but it doesn't, it, it does, what I think is very smart, and the Grand Theft Auto games have been very good about this as well. They throw out just a handful of side quests at any one time. So it's like, okay, this feels manageable rather than I opened up my map and blammo, there's 15 things and I have no idea like where I should be focusing my attention right now. And I, I, I yeah, I, I I, think especially in open world games, but in a lot of games, period, anything with like even an RPG element where you can upgrade, what we're not teaching the player very well at the outset is a sense of priorities. Yeah. Where do I want to focus? That I think for purposes of marketing and – Nope, primarily for marketing, but yeah, I, I think there's other reasons as well. This idea of play how you like we've We've drank that kool aid a little bit too much mm. where yes, I want to always feel like I have options because I want to feel like i 'm creating something in this world that the way I solve this problem is 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 you know is my own like yeah, I, I get to have some ownership over it, but it's not like anyone can really make a decision if they don't know, if they don't have any guidance whatsoever about how they should go about trying to make those decisions and have that critical reasoning in the world. Um, and I, I, it's just this kind of 52 pickup uh, means where it's like, okay, world's open. Go have fun. <laughs> I think it, it's, it, it sounds great on the back of the box. It sounds great in the abstract. Like, oh, wow, I can do anything I want. But if someone says you could do anything you want, you're probably just going to sit on your ass. Because you're terrified of it's... what the consequences of one of your decisions might be. So, you know, if you start to teach the player not so much how to play the game, but, hey, if you go down this path you might, you know, of, of upgrading your character, you might be precluding doing something else. Like, don't, don't go broad, go deep. You know, those things are never yeah. really explained to the player very effectively at the outset. And if you know games well enough, you start to look for all these cues. And that's where I think that panic can set in. Where I bet you a more casual player with Horizon Zero Dawn, they start that game and they just start doing whatever they want. And they don't worry about what the consequences are.
0: It's like real life, right? Where you wake up yeah. and sometimes you have so many things to do that you just... You're like, I'm just going to stay in bed. Like, I can't deal yeah, with yeah, the exactly. world right exactly. now. And like that's exactly. how I get with video games. And that I've had issues in the past. And I, I still have... I have Mass Effect Andromeda in the plastic right now. I haven't actually played it yet. Cause, like, I, I, I finished really? that one. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I feel like that's one of those where you jump in and suddenly you have so many tasks. And maybe the game hasn't really told you. Like you, like you said, like this is the it's, path you should it's actually very, take.
1: It, it's very much like Dragon Age Inquisition in terms of structure. Uh, the one thing they clearly learned from Dragon Age Inquisition is they didn't make that first area so chock full of nonsense that yeah. you never leave it. I mean, they, they, that's there. But, yeah, you see a lot of missions. And I know, like, all of us just have this, like, I'm not a very tidy person in life. But, my God, when I come to an open world game, like, I want to clean that map up so desperately. <laughs> because it's like was like me trying to maintain some control over my meager existence. Um <laughs> And, and, and that's how I play Mass Effect. But, you know, unfortunately, so many of those small side quests just have no substance. And that by the time I got to the conclusion, I'm like, what was I doing? I just knew I shot a couple groups of people. Yeah. I mean, it's... It, 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 uh, I, I feel bad. I, I So many people are trashing on that game that I don't want to get on that bandwagon. Yeah. But it just, it just kind of kills me that it's moved so far astray from the fundamental design of the original trilogy that it... it, it it's one of those games where someone really thought if we give them more, that equals superior. And it, it's just, and it, just, it, 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 the, the story cannot survive that vast and kind of, you know, elliptical check-ins with the main story. It just doesn't hold that same dramatic heft that the um, or- original trilogy did.
0: But then if you discount side quests in Mass Effect, which maybe is a good idea, the problem is you're worried in the back of your head, like, oh, what if I miss something really good? What if there is that one side quest that maybe justifies this? And that's kind of the same argument as like – upgrading –
1: leveling up in Mass Effect opens up such cool options. Exactly. I mean more so than I think other RPGs out there that you want to do those side quests just to get that XP because it's like, oh, well, let's, let's see what the next level of this, yo know, bionic power can do. I mean, that is one of the fundamental allures of that franchise, and I think more so than just about any other action RPG out there. So, I mean, that that's the thing. It's that I feel like I need to do it, but I'm not enjoying it, and hopefully they're at least without feedback into how I'm playing the game, but really I'm just doing the same thing over and over. Yeah, it, it, it's not the most exciting loop that I've, I've seen in a
0: game recently. And that's where Horizon succeeds because like you said, first off, it yeah. doesn't stack 19 side quests on you. It's maybe three, four, five at a time and that's yeah. all that'll love, like allow you at that time. But also you gain so much experience from doing individual side quests that you feel that progression loop really strongly. So you're not doing 800 quests to raise two levels. You're right. probably doing one or two, and then suddenly you're at a right. new level, you're exactly. getting skills, you're testing out new things, and along the way, you're finding different animal hides to help kind of fill out different yeah. parts of your inventory and crafting, and it's just, there's a constant yeah. satisfaction. There, it's, always,
1: of... it's always something on your way to something else. Very yes. re- rarely am I suddenly going astray just to get that one thing. Yeah, like I am I... trying to go find those high-level creatures to get that one part so I can get better armor and weapons, but I also I was about to go do that Right before I was on uh, the, the show, and I was like, you know what? I haven't gone to that area yet in the main story, and I'm actually now f- fairly confident that when the main story or even a side quest wants to push me in that direction, that's the time that I'll go over there. Yeah. That, you know, I, I, I think I'm, I'm very happy to not try to get the jump on the game and always be one or two levels ahead of where the game wants me to be. I'm like, hmm. no, this is, this is fun enough. I'll just play the game as I think it wants it to, to be played. And, and you know, and, and that's kind of the other point is, I do believe games and game developers, or at least you know, a, a lot of the leads, they in their head have an idea of what the ideal way to play their game is. Mm. But it sounds contrary to the philosophy of do what you want; you can do anything; it can play any way you want. That you know, there needs to be some kind of middle ground where it's like you can do this any way you want, but you might want to try it this way. And maybe Absolutely. if you're a certain type of player, you try it a different way, or maybe on your second playthrough. Uh, you know, I, I, I do think that even an open world game has an ideal experience. It's just not something that's actually discussed openly, and I think it actually is to the deficit of the players that we're not doing that.
0: Yeah, and so I think I'm kind of doing a little bit differently with Horizon than you, because I am leveling up probably more than I should, but because the enemies, at any time you could run into something that's massive and new and interesting, I'm not like... Yeah. Just thrashing through these things. Every battle feels huge. Every yeah. new encounter with one of these like different robotic creatures, you're like trying to figure out their weak points. You're trying to understand how to yeah. slide and which way that their attacks gonna go. And again, that's talking about the roaming when you're going from place to place. There's this I don't want to fast travel as much, and usually people say that and like, oh, you're going to want to drive from point to point. Like, no, 20 hours in, no, you're not. But 15 hours in, 20 hours the Horizon,
1: I am trying to do that. I'm more than happy. To, yeah. yeah, no, I agree. It, it, it's, you know, it, it's funny. Um, I keep on thinking I'm overleveled because, like, I'm mm-hmm. way over leveled from what the levels of quests are saying, and then I'll get into the actual combat of the level, and I'm like, well, this actually is still challenging. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually more curious at what the criteria is when they ascribe a level to a mission other than if you're below this level, you probably don't want to do it. That's what I'm fascinated Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm wondering if there's some other scaling that's happening under the hood. I, I just did something. I think I'm level 21. I did a mission, I think, level 12 or 15, and there were two Corruptors in a quarry. Oh, yeah. And just one of those Corruptors can get me busy. It'll keep me on my toes. Totally. Two of them. I'm like, hold on. I still have to actually play this. I can't just let the fact that I'm buffed up just allow me to just kind of railroad these two enemies. I, I found that very, very interesting. and I'm, I'm I'm interested to kind of experiment a little bit more and just and get a better sense of how they're pulling that off. And there's
0: no, at least at this point in the game, there's no rocket launcher, right? So when you're in that spot
1: where there's two of those
0: things that are difficult, you know, yeah. one-on-one, you can't just can throw just a grenade. They just jump on you. <laughs> yeah, like you can't just like, oh, I'm going to drop a grenade or a rocket launcher and take both out. Like, no, I still need to... Like, make sure I'm slowing down time. I'm focusing on the right parts. I'm using all of my different weapons. I'm setting up traps. Like, you can't get lazy with it because even if you're 10 levels yeah. above, you're going to get wiped.
1: And I've just well, and, loved that. And, 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 and that's what I also, because I, I went to go see, like, okay, maybe I'll open up another part of the map by climbing one of the giraffe buddies. And I started going in that direction. It was all covered in fog. And it slowly dawned on me. I'm like, okay, there's, like, five snap mods here. Yeah. It's like, that I know I can't handle even at my level. So let that be, like, take comfort in the queue from the game. Probably don't want to go this way right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm more interested to figure out at what point and how do you level up and and, and what happens where, like, that never becomes an onerous challenge. But, um, yeah, like I said, the the game is just utterly fascinating. I assume this is what people are experiencing when they're playing Zelda, which I have – I don't have a Switch and I haven't touched it yet. But uh, essentially the experience I'm having and hearing people who are playing Zelda, they don't sound – all that different from one another, other than the shock at Zelda being that good.
0: Yeah, I'm I don't have a Switch either and I don't have Zelda either. And I'm in the exact same boat where I'm almost happy I don't because one, I think I'd get these the controls of these games a little bit confused. And two, I'm just enjoying Horizon so much I don't want to kind of mix it. I don't want to like cross streams with something else similar to it. I'm gonna like save that for a later time. Have you had a chance to play many of the like really great Japanese titles have been coming out recently Resident Evil 7, you think of Neo. you think of Persona, is there anything because it's been kind of a resurgence for Japanese games
1: It definitely has been, I've only played Resident Evil 7 which just stunned me, like I I, I'm still like, fell okay. in love. I'm still thinking about it I'm, I, I'm in agreement that I think that last couple of sections didn't really carry forward like how much fun the beginning of it was, but I, I don't care that beginning was so good <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's just like, and like that's exactly my kind of horror. I, I come from an era that, like, I adore Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, and and just you know, and also probably my urban anxiety about going anywhere outside of the city that just played on it perfectly. Yeah, and it and it didn't have that that absurdism of traditional Resident Evil games that just always threw me out of the experience, mm. such as like, I mean, I mean, going all the way back. When a place is called Raccoon City, I'm already like, okay, well, well, hold on, hold on, we need to discuss how that happened. And when you name a like a Special Forces team Stars, it's like, no, 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 that's not how it works. <laughs> that you don't, no, 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 they're never going to be called Stars. And so, like, I'm already so distracted by that at the get-go yeah. that you know you, you 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 start to find, I, I guess, like, sort of a, a, a tenuousness in your relation with the virtual world you're supposed to be playing in. All of that was absent in in Final in, in Resident Evil Seven, and it really really worked for me. Um, Neo, I would never survive. Um, um, it's, I, you know, are you are I, you a Dark
0: Souls guy? I don't feel like I've ever.
1: I, I admire Dark Souls. <laughs> I tried I tried Bloodborne, and really enjoyed myself up to the the important part where you're at the church. Okay, like, there was a boss where like, I just I I could not do it. and I so desperately want to get past it. I thought it would like hire a neighborhood kid to. Get past it for me, but um, when I realized this was Team Ninja taking on Dark Souls, that just that just gives me an anxiety attack on the face of it. Um, yeah, yeah, you know. it's I as a Dark
0: Souls or Bloodborne fan, Dio uh, is first off way too long. It's another one of those games where it's like there's trying to go for hours. too much. It's it's I, I think it took me like fifty or sixty, and I definitely skipped a lot because by the end I'm like, just get me through this goddamn game. Uh, I, it's good. It's um. Maybe a little overlauded because I still think the, the – that's one of those games where I do think Dark Souls is open but in a very smart way where you're – it's not massive. You're learning these different shortcuts. It's Neo actually a, was much, a much
1: smaller game than you think it is. Yes, yeah, it, absolutely. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um,
0: Neo would try to reuse a few too many environments and also was very linear in certain senses. I don't think it worked as much with that
1: style of game. Yeah. So and, – and, and Persona, once again, I know that this thing is giving people like just like – extreme amounts of happiness. I've never been a JRPG fan. Oh, wow. And Persona in particular. I have no desire to ever play as a teenager. <laughs> I, and then reading about Persona, I'm like, oh, God, yeah. I'm I'm 43 years old. And <laughs> I, it's just, I look at that, and I'm like, now I feel older. <laughs> it's just, it, but stylistically, it looks really, really neat. But... Once again, I just don't think I have the time to commit to something like that that I think will also completely go over my head.
0: Yeah, it's on my list, but I'm also back and forth on that because like, there's some... Fun to the high school idea, but also, I'm like, eh, I don't really know if that's the setting I want. But just when you well, kid, it sounds like that, you have to good. maintain
1: relationships with other people. I mean, once again, once you get to like 43, <laughs> I just, I mean, just you and I trying to get this podcast together was hard enough. Like, trying to get a dinner when there might be two different groups of people and maybe one or both of them have kids, and then there might be like, like someone's got it, you know, they have they have, they have, they have, they have, they have, they have needs in terms of what they have to eat because of health issues. You just, I mean, ah, it's just social engagement. <laughs> Engagements are just like too much like, in the real world, so I don't know if I want to I have virtual ones. Well, no, near automata sounds oh, yeah. really interesting. And that's the one I think I'm gonna play Following Horizon Zero Dawn. It just everything I've read about that, I'm like, okay, there's something really intriguing in this one that that, that has me that, that's definitely gotten my attention.
0: Yeah, narratively and thematically, it sounds like that's hitting notes that a lot of games don't try. Maybe it's it's bold in a certain sense with kind of what it's talking about and what it's going yeah. for, and I'm just fascinated. And, yeah, what I was going to say before is maybe the JRPG you need is, like, trying to organize, like, dinner with another couple, and, like, one couple has, like, gluten-free needs, and someone else is a vegetarian, and that's really the stats you're worried about instead of Actually, less. I
1: just think any RPG where I'm not cooking sounds really <laughs> good. The one cri- or, the main or, or making reservations. I don't want to have either of those two things in a game. Okay, low stress,
0: low stress JRPG. That's low, really yeah. That's why
1: Final play. Fantasy 15 and Persona, and who knows? Because I know there's cooking in in, in Zelda. Uh, all, all, all th- uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and not trying to start some sort of weird
0: console flame war in any way. But have you kind of <laughs> found a console of choice this generation? Because for me, I. I don't have a Switch yet, but you know my PS4 is played daily. Uh, to be honest, Maxbox Xbox One is collecting dust. I'll probably get a Switch when Mario comes out, but do you kind of switch back and forth, or have you played all three parties? I switched back three-party?
1: and forth until I upgraded my TV to a 4K TV last year. I uh, mm. grabbed a PS4 Pro, and so I switched over to that. But prior to that, I was playing on PC primarily, unless it was a console exclusive. And then prior to the PC, I think I was still playing uh, a little more frequently on the Xbox One. Ah, I would say prior to moving over to the PC, I was probably just going back and forth pretty easily. I, and still, I have I have enough friends that have only a, a PlayStation or only an Xbox yeah. that I do try to like kind of get a, a copy for for each system if if, if, if there's a multiplayer component.
0: Are you so. interested by? PS4 Pro or Scorpio at all?
1: Scorpio at all? Because yeah. I was talking. I have, I have, I have a PS4 Pro. Okay. I mean, Horizon looks. Oh God, it's, I love how that looks on my. That game me. looks unbelievable. Um, yeah, and and, and and Scorpio, I'm very intrigued with. I, you know, to be honest, I'm more. And I think PS4 Pro is doing the same thing, but I think Scorpio is going to do it more forcefully. I really like the idea that we're going to just end. The idea of relaunching a console or or extend that window into something remarkably large. And instead, we take the Apple approach and you have these occasional upgrades that don't, you know, suddenly just, you know, eliminate all the previous games that 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 existed prior to it. Um, and that you, this is a way to ease people in and the idea that you're probably going to leapfrog over one you know, installment and just go to the next one. Like people yeah. go from an iPhone 6 to a 7 and they don't usually go from a 6 to a 6S. Um, I think it's a lot healthier. I think it actually gives a, a better sense of the prominence of video games in contemporary life mm. where we're not making a big deal about the new one. In the same way, and that they're just, you know, there's always new and improved iterations because this is something one would always expect to have in their home.
0: Yeah. I was talking to Lauren Landing on this podcast about uh, right before the pro launched, and he kind of had the same idea of, you know, this might be every two years, every three years, instead of that long cycle. Like, we're yeah. going to keep kind of taking half steps, and, you know, we're going to have one main console where people really aren't worried about if it's called a PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. It's like, oh, well, here's the new PlayStation, the new Xbox, the same way there was the new iPad, that we're not worried about that number attached to it. Right, and,
1: and, 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 we're, and we're, we're shifting the sense of the essential from the new console to just having a video game console.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, everyone's going to want a video game console, and there are these varieties that that, that you can choose from. Um you know, some of my uh, another stuff I'm working on has required me to, believe it or not, actually read a lot of video game comments. Recently. Oh man, I'm yeah. so sorry. Oh, trust me. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, it just brought me back to just the the insipid nature of console flaming. Oh yeah. And and and, and I just, I really just forgot how. It's not even juvenile. And I think in light of the election, it actually is a, even more alarming. Yep. Because I think we've all started to recognize the increased tribalism inside of the U.S. Mm. And, you know, obviously by political, you know, factions and then sort of subsets within your political affiliations, among many, many other things that are that are, are, are happening socially. And it just really yeah. – but, but, but to be fair – some of that tribalism is essential. Like there, yeah. there are certain things I consider sacred in social life, and I I have certain ideals, and I I'm real, ready to stand by that. But to then see someone with probably even more passion than I feel about certain moral you know qualities of of of, of existence, talk about the superiority of the PlayStation over the Xbox, it's and this is a corporation insane. with their with their with their plastic product. It's so distressing, and they like it really and. and not, not Not to overstate it, but it's like there's something very wrong, yeah, if we've created that type of identity self value out of something that one has no control over and is only there to actually take money out of your pocket yeah it's there to entertain you I don't want to be that I don't want be I don't want to bite the hand that feeds me, but, but but you you see what I'm saying, I mean, imagine if someone was that fanatical about fucking united. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think once again, like maybe a few movies out there. We saw that with Ghostbusters, and obviously with a lot of excitement around a movie like Mad Max. But it, it's very, very bizarre. And it, I think it is, at least to the degree that it's expressed, unique to video games. And I completely forgot about all of that. And to the extent that we could just create that ultimate ubiquity of video games in people's lives by having these smaller subcycles cycles of, of, of consoles, I think it might do something. Mm. To just kind of like, you know, get the attention back on something interesting like game design, which is kind of remarkable right now. And as you said, you know, suddenly what a struggling Japanese market, uh, Japanese developers when it it came to game design suddenly have just like found this new mojo with all the wonderful quirkiness that we love about Japanese game design. But suddenly with a a level of sophistication and contemporary sophistication that I think has been lacking for the past few years.
0: Yeah, and what the flame war stuff you were talking about, it's just, it's such a waste of energy. I just don't understand. When I was a kid and I only had money for a certain console, you're, feel like you're investing in it and you're almost saying like, oh, well, I'm going to follow, like, ride or die with this one because I don't want to be the person who wastes my money on the wrong console. But, you know, as right. someone who recently worked on a PlayStation 4 exclusive game, like, trust me, I I the same way you're reading comments, I've seen some shit where I'm like, can we just talk about the game and not the fact if it is, like, another arrow in the quiver of Sony versus, like, oh, this is, yeah. you're never going to get this one. It's Do you still take shit for review scores you gave back during X-Play? Because I still get it for GameStop.
1: Uh... You know, when I say probably the most is, like, during the Gamergate era and, like, as I bitch about Trump online. Oh, yeah. Like people tr- people try to undercut the validity of my other opinions by <laughs> virtue of certain reviews I gave. Uh, there was a point in time, probably four years ago, maybe five, because, you know, after G4 got rid of me and, you know, but before the station completely collapsed, it was, like, they were still airing X-Play. Hmm. As G4, even though there, I think oh, there was yeah. like four or five people working at the network, there was no sh- new shows being made. So they were running old episodes of X-Play. I mean, years old episodes oh, of x And there were some people who I guess just were in a cave. I don't know. And they <laughs> saw a review, and they didn't agree with it, and they bitched at me about something that happened four or five years prior. And I, I, like, I'm talking like, I was like, I don't even know if I reviewed that. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't you, like, you didn't review
0: everything you ever talked about oh, on God. X-Play, right? A lot no, of it was no. just stuff given to you from different members of the staff, correct? Like, did
1: you get... I mean, I, I review quite a bit, yeah. uh, especially in the later years, uh, because I, t- I tended to have a more open schedule that allowed for that. Um, but yeah, uh, and, 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 the same was true of, of, of Morgan, but yeah, we could not review every single, I mean, if there were five reviews in the course of a week. I have played almost most of those games or some of those games, mm-hmm. but I have not reviewed it. Yeah. Somebody would write it up. They would write it up from the way it would work is there would be a very long review, like what you would see on IGN, GameSpot, Polygon, whatever. Yeah. From that, when, and, and, and that would live on the website, g 4 com. From that, it would then be condensed and re into something more television-friendly and typically in my or Morgan or Blair's voice. Um, yeah. So th- that's how it worked. And even if I did the review, I tended to just write the long, comprehensive review for the website, and another producer would then kind of rewrite that. Oh, um, because I, 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 at Rev 3 I just wrote it for video, and I kind of missed having that longer, more comprehensive text that then got to be condensed into something a little bit more viewer-friendly. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, it, just before we were talking about how, in
0: terms of comments, maybe the industry hasn't changed that much, but we do talk about games differently than we used to. I mean, you look at yes. places like Waypoint, Polygon. Uh, again, yeah. Glixol and other various sites that are more willing to broach issues of diversity, sex, pl- even pl- like police brutality when it comes to like that Battlefield game that I can never remember the name of. Um, is this kind of heartening for you? Because I know you're a political and outspoken guy. Um,
1: Yes, um, I I, I do feel it heartening. And obviously, I was dipping my toe in that, especially during the the couple of years I was uh, at Rev3 Games. Um, I think Polygon did a lot to bring that into the forefront. Although, I will take a little bit of credit. I remember my uh, Resident Evil 5 review where I spent a fair amount going, there's something wrong with this game. I remember this, yeah. This game is trafficking in some of the most bizarre and hysterical and colonially based anxieties about people from Africa like than anything I've ever seen but you know what what is heartening isn't just so much that we're touching on what people might consider to be progressive agendas it's mm-hmm. the fact that and I have argued this for so 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 long it was just harder to kind of make good examples of this because you know games were not as complex both narratively gameplay and in, 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 in so many ways but the idea that games exist in this vacuum and do not have attachments to other art, other culture, politics, and society in general is absurd. And obviously I felt it was, it was always defeating for the industry as a whole. That, uh, you know, that it, it's like, no, we're just a toy. Well, that's, mm-hmm. that, that, that's the whole problem. That's how we get into the do video games cause violence type nonsense. And I, I think I found it very, very frustrating during that time that everyone thought it was just so great when we tried to say, like, no, video games are protected under, under speech. And they were like, yes, yeah, speech and the larger discussion that's going on in society. No, they're just games. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not how it works. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I still think – and there's two things I think here. Um, Kind of what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, that there are young people that are coming in, and you just got to cut your teeth and and write everything, but I think when we start to touch on controversial things in games, matters of representation in games, matters of diversity in games, they do need to be addressed, but I still think there's some very awkward phrasing about how we do it yes and as a result i think that's what sets off people who are, get so angry about it more so than i think in, in say if the, it's happening in a movie review or, or something like that that we're, we're still haven't figured out the language of how we integrate matters like that into a game review because we're still so stuck in looking at games still as a product mm-hmm and and and, 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 and and like, how many hours do you get? How much fun? Is it worth your $60? That's a very weird thing to be evaluating side by side where, like, Persona 5 doesn't allow for bisexual relationships. Yeah. I mean, those. maybe those two things can cohabit in the same review. I have yet to see that where it feels like someone quite, sort of elegantly wove all of that together. Also, as a product, just kind of breaking down how the game plays. Yeah. And kind of looking at that as something that's separate from the matters of diversity, the matters of representation that are happening in the game. And I, I just and some of the stuff I've been reading lately, it's almost like it's very rare. And I, I can name a couple of, of, of people who I think really are quite good at it. But it is rare to sort of say like, hey, this game has this problem and it kind of pollutes the overall experience. hmm or or does it not is it something you can set aside that it, it just I, I, once again this is growing pains and these yes. are healthy important growing pains to have but you know i've just you know, for, for reasons i'm not going to go into like for because i'm reading comments and stuff like that i've been surveying a lot of reviews and stuff like that and i've just noticed some of these interesting trends and you know i, I think that just goes to I, I i wish once again that we had a just more diverse staffs at um at uh, at outlets and both diverse in gender, in in sexual identity and in race, but also in age, because I think that could also help, kind of guide how we you know finally ease into how we talk about video games. Yeah. Obviously, no one's going to talk about it the exact same way, but I think those people who are really on the vanguard of this discussion, they they've got some real challenges ahead, and and, and I feel for them, and I support them completely. But you know, we, we're 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 right in wanting to be addressed these. We've got to figure out also. How do we integrate it so it doesn't sometimes feel like, almost like dressing on top of the salad, which is, hey, the yes. game plays well and it's worth your $60. Yeah, that, I guess that's what I'm getting at.
0: No, I, you're, they're, growing pains is a good way to put it because there are, right now, there are times where suddenly you're reading a review and instead of being this idea of maybe there's issues of, you know, this game being misogynistic or not treating other races fairly or representing people well, instead of it being integrated and woven in the review, which is difficult, and I'll say that, but it, it's on a sidebar. Yeah. Or it's at the very end and it doesn't affect the score at all. Or it's at the start and that becomes the entirety of the review where maybe Bayonetta 2 is one of the best playing action games of all time. But because of certain ways of representing women... You give the game a two, and like you go back and forth on how do you deal with that? How do you integrate that? How do you take this into the into account? Knowing that people definitely look for different things in different games, and I do think that's where that reaction you're talking about online is not yeah. really people saying I don't want a female protagonist. Maybe they are sick of the way it's being talked about. It's, and I'm not justifying what those people say at all. A lot of them are awful yeah. online, but we're in this weird stage of progressing in a smart way that we have to because a game you can't say a game oh games are art and then be like well we can't talk about them like art like only telling about the gameplay it has to be both but i just don't know how long before we reach a point where the yeah. criticism is caught up
1: yeah and it's interesting i think we can only take limited guidance from criticism of other media yeah, i think i think books have hmm. always i think worked the closest with games just because of the length and so many things can happen in the course of a few hundred pages, just like so much can happen in the course of several hours in, 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 inside of a game. Yeah. But, you know, what, what, one of the examples I remember, this is going to be a really weird example, but uh, <laughs> Paul Verhoeven's Showgirls, okay, uh, which is a bad movie. And for the most part, it's one of those really good bad movies. <laughs> and as someone, I remember, I remember reading Review, and I, I, I went to go see the movie just because it was that thing you did in the 90s. But they were right. This could have been one of the greatest midnight movies ever, where like it could have been up there with Rocky Horror Picture Show. Except for one thing. There's this absolutely unpleasant gang rape scene that happens towards the end Ooh. of it. And it really it has that smack of, huh, I didn't really feel the need for this. You know, it, it, it and it just kind of it just it completely changed my opinion of that movie. You know, where I saw it can't be Fun." And I'm kind of laughing at this, the way it's like that, this sort of like clutching of pearls, like, oh, no, the cocaine is being done. <laughs> um, and like you're, you're kind of giggling and having fun with it. And then, boom, it just screeches to this horrible halt. Yeah. And that's like sort of that, that, that's kind of where how that, it's just so weird to have a discussion where, like, what is your threshold of obj- of something objectionable in the game before the whole thing? you know, is, is is out the window like at what yeah. point do you throw the baby out with the bathwater i d- i don't have an answer for that and i think it's a very very difficult discussion to have but i think that it's the one it's You know, all the people complain about the sjw's and all that like mm. uh, as far as i'm concerned that's done like they will always complain they have their corners of the internet and they have yep. people that they read that they can enjoy and they will just come in troll and say that stuff for the group of people that are really trying to move this discussion forward i think the next I think this is kind of the next discussion that we should always be pointing it out. We should be evaluating games and, like, how much do these things intermix, you know? For a 60-hour game, if it's got a few moments that seem to be a little bit injectable, does that actually affect the overall experience? I I, I just don't have the answer for that. Yeah. I, I, I find it fascinating. And I guess... Given my level of fascination how much you and I have been just talking about it, I probably – this is another reason why I would like to get back in the mix for <laughs> so often because it is very exciting to see these things happening because I so wanted to see it happen for so long when there really just wasn't a good opportunity or a good outlet to do it. Um, you know, trying to touch that t- – touch stuff like that you know, for, for most of the time I was at G4 was, was kind of toxic. Yeah. You know, we, 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 can, we can make political jokes. But, God, there was one point where I really wanted to push to do some PSAs about, you know, sort of behaving correctly online, Mm -hmm. you know, not using certain words. And I was told that we didn't want to alienate anybody in our audience. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know we needed to really hold on to that racist homophobic Watch out for that racist
0: crowd. Wow, I I love coming
1: into work in the morning now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You did mention before there are some people who do kind of wove this well into the reviews. Do you, do you have any people you could talk about who you do read constantly, whose reviews you really do enjoy right oh, now? I,
1: I, I, I love Arthur Geese over at Polygon. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he and I have been friends for a long time, so, I, I, so, I, so, I, so just let it be known. Uh, but there are times where I'll just kind of laugh because I'll see something in his review where I was screaming that at the TV, when i was playing the game just the day before yeah <laughs> it's you know and, and, I, and i think he does know how to weave that in very well he's he's an excellent writer um austin walker over at waypoint I think it was just I, I he he is just one of those yeah i keep on wanting i i got you know i'll use this in case he listens to it that like yeah i i, I want to come on a podcast or something with him ne- never met him in person but really really enjoy his work um I hate it. You're putting me on the spot. There are some other names out yeah. there, and they're just kind of slipping. There's the obvious ones, like Patrick Clappick and people I used to work with, but those are the two who, if I see something new is up, I'll always go poke around and check it out.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely send you some names. A lot of this, the early part of this podcast, um, the first, like, 30 episodes was with different game critics who I appreciated to talk about that kind of stuff, because they're definitely out yeah. there, and uh, there are people who you wish had a bigger platform, but as we talked about earlier, getting paid to critique games isn't exactly easy. Um, so, I mean, Patreon thankfully has been useful in that way with some people who are good to get money that way. But yeah, when I was, um, freelancing at GameSpot, I, Austin Walker, I just started at GameSpot just freelancing before I went to Giant Bomb and immediately I was like, oh man, like this guy's going to do something big early. We're talking about doing a podcast later on. I I, I,
1: I saw him on Twitter and I can't remember who was talking to him. I'm like, oh, who's this fellow? And I looked at his bio and I think he had just come out of, he was clearly doing like one of those... And granted, remember, I'm old, and so I was in <laughs> college at UCLA just at the real beginning of, like, cultural studies in mm-hmm. uh, in American academia. And so you just start to see these cool interdisciplinary things. And so I, I remember I checked out his bio, and I was like, oh, man, he's got one of those things that I always wanted. And no one <laughs> – no, like, especially in the UC system. in UCLA, which is far more traditional than, say, uh, UC Irvine, that had this very dynamic Derrida-led uh, English department – um, it was I was just like Oh man I, I, that, That's the That's kind of the stuff I missed um, yeah. I so wish I could have Man Just ten years later And I probably could have mixed You know a, An English degree But bring in So much of the pop culture I was consuming at the time Yeah and That's what I was Just sucked in college Is that I loved literature I was reading all these comic books And playing some video games But they had to be Absolutely separated From one another There was just no way To kind of Meld the two together and, yeah, so I'm jealous of all you kids. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> all you kids.
0: Yep. Uh, you did mention that, you know, sometimes, like we just talked about, you want to kind of, like, jump back into writing reviews because the conversation has changed. Do you ever have the itch to do a TV show or host something again, like X-Play? Oh, is that something that's out uh... of your system?
1: I will n- – I don't think <laughs> – I don't want to make a declarative statement because work is work is work is work. Mm. But I am not making any aggressive moves towards trying to ever create something like X-Play again. Uh, in terms of television, there's no way in hell it's, it will happen, and I don't no. think I ever want to work in television again. Um, it's just... If, if you can survive there for more than two decades, I tip my hat to you. I think that's what I would say. Yes. Uh, in terms of doing shows for the web where you have a lot more lo- sort of latitude, that's something I always play with. But in terms of doing an all-purpose show like X-Play, that's pretty tough. I think even doing a review show—that's really, really tough. Yeah. Um, I and I think you know a, a lot of people out there are realizing it. To do programming, especially video programming, that isn't fully dependent upon the actions of the industry is probably a wise way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, not because there's like I'm, I'm not a big I'm not like oh PR people are evil. No, they're not. They're doing their <laughs> job. They're doing their goddamn job. But. You know, there's an ebb and flow to the game industry. Summer is very dry. Sometimes, you know, even November isn't that good. Sometimes there are news. Sometimes there isn't news. Um, if you're, you know, like, X-Play was so latched onto the events happening in the game industry that if something doesn't work out or a game gets pushed, like, you can't really plan, and you're constantly in a reactive phase. Yeah. And that's some of the stuff I really don't miss because it was this kind of breathless panic up until we finally had the show in the can if you know an embargo would move or something like that, and we'd have to replan everything, um, that I would probably prefer to do some type of programming where, you know, we 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 could get a guess or something like that, but it was flexible enough that we didn't have to wait and sort of get the okay from an entity we had no control over to make it happen.
0: Yeah, it seems like today a TV show like X Play just might not be able to exist, especially with you know streaming and YouTube, different shows out there. There's like so oh, many no. other options, and, and, and,
1: and, and that's the thing. YouTube was the beginning of the end for both X-Play and, 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 um, and, and, and G4 in general. Yeah. That, you know, you, why are you going to wait till 6 p.m. to find about video games when you have this internet thing that can be telling you whenever you want to? I mean, it's just, <laughs> it, it's, you know, informative television other than CNN or Fox News or something that's truly happening in real time with events. Mm-hmm. Um, in, other informative television, you know, really doesn't make a ton of sense. Really because we have anymore. this like amazing information machine with infinite you know with, with you know that it's called the internet and it, 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 that, that was we, we I, on the whole we always kind of knew that this could not perpetuate itself forever so yeah. it, it was not like a shock when it all came apart real quick
0: do you stream very often or do you have your own podcast Yo. at this point cuz you totally Yo. should Oh come on! I
1: know, I know. I should. I'm not disciplined enough. I don't like the streaming. I'm, I'm also like a fairly private person. Yeah. Um. And yeah, there were some events that happened three years ago. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it just has not made me necessarily want to do that. I have thought about, and I'll just throw it out here now. Yeah, I thought about if I could find a way to pull it off, like. Do some live streaming of playing Kingdom Hearts because I, you know, I can't stand that game. Oh, man. But if we could raise money for, like, Planned Parenthood, ACLU, like, Innocence Project, like, I'll keep on playing the game if we can fill the coffers of a good charity. And I'll subject myself to that. This needs to happen. Know, that, that, that's me kind of nailing myself to the Disney cross. <laughs> you should play all of
0: Kingdom Hearts 3 whenever that game comes out in, like, 2030, just all over Twitch or something. It'd be amazing. Yeah. Well,
1: well, 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 didn't just, like, 1 and 2 come out for PlayStation 4? Like, they, oh, they re-updated right. it for, like, the 15th time or something? Yeah, and, like, 2.8 and, and like, it, 345 Yeah, it's 2.3 and a half waga waga blargity blarg. <laughs> something that like that. That
0: is the stupidest numbering and naming scheme of any <laughs> series out there. I'll say that right now. Uh, it will...
1: I've always just tried to figure out, like, clearly somebody thought that that appeals to a particular audience. I just need to to meet the guy that it appeals to.
0: I I mean, those (laughs) games are successful, so someone's doing something right, I guess.
1: I understand why Kingdom Hearts itself is successful. I get it. Yeah, It's just, you know, Sora just kind of drove me crazy, because he'd be having these existential crises, and I'm like, dude, you're next to a fucking talking dog, (laughs) okay? chill out. Like, all of uh, us wish we could have this opportunity right now, so. It's...
0: Oh, God, those games are so weird. Uh, this is... Uh, last two things. Uh, first, uh, when are we going to know more about what you're doing? Like, when can you actually talk about it? And two,
1: where uh, can people find you on social media? On social media, I'm on Twitter. Um, in terms of finding about things I'm doing, uh, what you will be hearing is we're getting close to the release of uh, Friday the 13th, so you'll be seeing quite a bit of me because uh, mm. I'm working with those guys, and you know, I'm going to help kind of bang the gong about a game I'm ex- I'm very very proud of and very very excited about. In terms of other stuff, I mean, here's the thing about being a consultant, you in, in a broad way is I'm probably doing my best job if you don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> that it, it really is. I mean, you work in development. So so you 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 do understand these things. I've signed <laughs> that, a lot of things and I can't talk about A lot of people don't want to know how the sausage is made and that's yep. why, you know, we don't talk about meat club. when We leave meat club. <laughs> <laughs> adam thank you so
0: much for doing this this has been super oh, fun my pleasure again my pleasure. it's uh a it, lot it's, of fun. Been we- it's been weird not hearing all of your opinions so i'm glad we're getting at least some of them out there we'll have to hopefully do this again sometime maybe later in yes, the year b- when by all, means, by all other means. crazy games come out and we get to totally talk about them so again super appreciate you doing this oh my pleasure man uh and uh, thank you everyone for listening hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099